the story behind the story in faith culture news and entertainment this is this is billy hallowell Hey guys, what's going on? It's Billy Hollowell. Welcome to my podcast. I am super excited to be diving into this amazing, amazing season of the show. And I'm just going to get a chance to talk with so many great people. And that's the really cool part of this show is that, you know, if you followed me at all, you know that my thing is telling stories. I love people's stories and we've all got them, right? And so on this show, I just talk to people. I dive in to the personalities, the authors, the pastors, the TV personalities, the actors, anybody who is willing to come on this show who has a great story, I bring them on, I talk to them. And today, I'm super excited because I'm going to be sitting down with Fox News's Shannon Bream. And Shannon and I have followed one another on social for a long time. I've seen the work she does. I think we all have. She's incredible. And I'm just super excited to pick her brain to learn really, though, about her faith journey because Shannon is a Christian. She's got a really interesting backstory. And I don't think we get enough opportunity to kind of look by behind the curtain of people's lives, right? We we sort of see them on TV. We assume we know what we know. We might read an interview here or there every couple of years, but to really dive in and get a chance to actually hear about the background. What is it that built somebody into who they are and how have they ended up in the place they are? So with no further ado, I want to welcome Shannon Bream to the Billy Hollowell podcast right now. Hey, Shannon, how you doing today? I'm great. Great to be with you. Well, listen, I, I've wanted to chat with you for, for so long. I think for me, looking out at your career and what you're doing at Fox and who you are as a person, you're kind of a, a really interesting individual. Your background is fascinating. You are a lawyer, a journalist, a TV host. Um, but the thing that and I've, I've followed you for a long time on social, that always comes through for me is your faith. It's It seems to be the centerpiece of who you are. And so I was really curious, and it's sort of a, a big question to lead with, but I figured why not? Um, if you could just tell us a little bit about your faith journey, where that started for you. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a home where my parents divorced when I was very little, but my mom had become a Christian um, through Campus Crusade, um, now known as Crew, when she was in college. And so her faith was very young at that point, but she um, really, in her 20s and 30s, became a very strong Christian and started teaching at a Christian school that we went, um, I went to school there, she was a teacher there, and um, the church, there was a church connected to the school, so that really became kind of our whole social circle, other teachers and kids, and um, it really was like a family for us, especially in those um, early years when it was just the two of us together. We lived upstairs from my grandparents, so we had a real good you know, connection with them too. And all of us were sort of growing in our faith at that point. I mean, I, I feel very blessed that I grew up in a school structure and a home and a church where um, I was constantly exposed to scripture and memorizing verses and learning things. And it really wasn't until I was in middle school when I started to think, listen, I know all of this intellectually. I know all the book knowledge and the things I've learned, but have I ever made this personal? Have I really committed my life to Christ and accepted him as my savior? And that happened for me in seventh, between seventh and eighth grade at a summer camp of all things. And um, it's just been, I, we're all a work in progress. I certainly am. And I've been through, um, you know, wonderful highs and terrible lows like we all do in our life. And I think um, really through the toughest things is where my faith has become the most personal and grown the most for me. So um, it's the foundation of every day for me. And especially working in this crazy business and in a crazy moment <laughs> in history, it's just the daily comfort and the strength for me to um, spend time with the Lord and just 
um, you know, to be honest about where I need to grow and where I need to have, um, you know, revival in my own life if I'm praying for it for our country and for others as well. Yeah, and that's and that's so amazing to hear. I think, you know, a lot of people, they grow up in faith, and it's like, for me, it wasn't until really— and I would say, of course, I was a Christian. I went through the motions of it. My parents were believers, and, you know, but— I think when I got to college and I almost got to the end of college, that's when I was like, okay, what does this really mean? You know, I kind Mm -hmm. of like always went through it in my mind. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. But I would even argue, I mean, I'm 36 now. I would say probably it wasn't until my 30s that I was really living it. And I still struggle. Mm -hmm. You know, we all struggle. We have our things, like you were saying, we're all works in progress. And, you know, one of the interesting things in in your life is that you you obviously decided to go to law school. You became an attorney. What what was it that drove you that direction? You know, I've always been a news junkie and loved that and was really into that and always, you know, wanted to know what was going on in the world and was fascinated fascinated by current events and world events. So I've always had that strain there. Um, I also grew up with very (laughs) strong parents, even though um, they were divorced and eventually remarried. And I was blessed enough to end up, I say, having four amazing parents because both my stepmother, who's passed away, and my stepfather, who is still um, around, um, were great extra parents for me. But education was really pushed in my house. And my dad really didn't think of media as a, quote, real job um, and chasing stories (laughs) and that kind of thing. I think in his mind it was kind of showbiz. And so he used to say to me, kind of half-jokingly, but not really, you're going to law school or med school, so pick one and get back to me when you're done with that. Um, And my mom's a teacher, and so they were always really, really supportive of staying in school, getting your education. So I didn't come from money or anything else. We were very, you know, lower income, um, lower to middle, I would say, class family. Um, And so we had everything we needed, but nothing fancy. And my parents were really big on, listen, education will take you wherever you want to go. Whatever you want to learn, you can open a book. Um, and you don't have to have all the money and go to all the fancy schools. You can still become educated and, and um, have good pro- professional opportunities. And I've always been very interested in politics. So the very, very big intersection between politics and law, lawmaking, the court systems, um, and it, it, that seemed like the natural fit for me, certainly not medical school. God bless our doctors and nurses and everybody on the front lines. Uh, yeah. um, they are heroes every single day they go to work. Um, but for me, you know, law made sense. It, it was something that I really wanted to study, and, and uh, I went through school. But I could tell you and everybody who was close to me that while I was in school, I thought, this is not what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> it is an amazing foundation, and I always tell that to young people who come to me asking about law school. It's a great foundation for all kinds of things. Um, and for me, it just was the right path um, to lead me to where I am now. But I did spend some years practicing and had wonderful partners and great examples in the field. But it just was not a passion for me. It was a great job, great career, but not my passion. Yeah, and that's I think that's so interesting, too, because I, I want to be careful how I say this because it's not meant to be disparaging towards Christians who who might do this, but I know I know for me I've encountered a lot of people who sort of shun certain arenas, right? A lot of Christians who will mm-hmm. say, "Well, don't go that way." Don't. And honestly, I think media and Hollywood um, mm-hmm. are two, and there and there are reasons on the Hollywood front specifically why people would say don't go that route. Um, but I've kind of been a big advocate of, you know, what we we really need to be present and we need mm-hmm. to send kids firmly rooted in, and that's the key, I think, firmly rooted into these different arenas to have that to have that presence. And so. So it's just fascinating to me getting to talk to people like you who have not only did you go into law, you then ended up back in your passion <laughs> area, which is media. And so here you are now um, at Fox. If you 
if you could have projected into your future as a younger person and saw yourself, what would you have thought at the time? I mean, could you have ever predicted your career would have taken the path that it has? No. Um, <laughs> I think it was because it's still surprised to me sometimes that I'm like, oh, I'm not really a lawyer anymore. I do this TV thing and I'm a journalist and I dig around and interview people and ask questions. And I've always been a very curious person. So it's a good fit for that. But um, to your point about people going into all different fields as believers, I mean, I think we're all born with different gifts and different passions and different skills. Um, and some people are going to be amazing scientists. Some people are going to be super creative. Some people are going to be um, philosophers or whatever it is. And I think we should encourage people, whatever their gifts are, whatever their interests and skills are, to go into that field and be a light and be the best that you can. I mean, be lifting up your fellow workers and be striving to be excellent. Um, and I think you, should, you shouldn't hesitate from any field. Um, really, you should get out there and um, just share and be a light and share your gifts and go what you are equipped to do. Um, but so, yeah, I never would have thought I ended up, I, I would end up where I am now. Um, you know, like most little kids, I wanted to do 10 different things. I was going to be, you know, an actress on Broadway and I was going <laughs> to, um, you know, be a florist at one point. Cause I, I think flowers are so happy and people are always happy when you show up with a, you know, flower display or bouquet. Like I was like, Oh, I'm going to run a florist. It'll be happy all the time. I mean, I just thought of so many things. So I, I can see in retrospect, some steps that make complete sense about, um, things that have gone well and things that have gone badly, but they, they shaped my path to where I am now. And I have no idea what the next 20 or 30 years will be either. So just try to, you know, serve where I'm planted for that moment. And I love, love what I do. So I'm super grateful and thankful that um, for now, this is my assignment and um, just feel the, the obligation to be responsible with that and do the best I can while I'm here. Well, and I think that that word you just used, assignment, is so key because I know we, we live in such this materialistic world and I get trapped in it too. And I forget, you know, mm -hmm. waking up every day and, and being like, listen, you know, I need to pray like, God, where do you want me? And I'll put this a lot on social because I need it. You know, where mm -hmm. do you want me? Who do you want me to talk to today? What am I supposed to say? How am I supposed to behave? Like, where where should I be? I feel like it's so easy to kind of go through life without asking that. But I think in your case, it sounds like when you talk about assignment where you're supposed to be, that there's a lot of seeking going on and asking and praying and you know, looking for that pathway. Yeah, and amen about the social media because I want people to know when I put stuff out there too, like verses or thoughts from the word or whatever, like I'm preaching to myself 99.9% .9 <laughs> yeah. of the time. That's why it's out there because I'm like, ooh, this is convicting to me. Um, especially right now with there's so much fear and so much unknown and so much anxiety. And I know for people who struggle with that, this is a really, really difficult time. So, you know, I think about the verses that come to mind for me that are the most comforting, and I'm like, well, why not just put that out there? Because mm. people, whether they are into the Bible or not, a lot of times when people are in times of crisis, even if they're not sure how, they'll try to pray or they'll um, take comfort in these verses that um, sound familiar and sound comforting to them. So I'm like, hey, why not put it out there? Um, so yeah, uh, social media, I'm always preaching to myself. If you feel convicted, it's because I got convicted and <laughs> that's why yeah. I put it out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just think there are opportunities to serve no matter where you are. And, um, like you said, thinking about who can I encourage today? Who can I comfort today? I mean, you know, I'm really trying to pray in these days, like, okay, who needs practical help? Like that I could actually pay their utility bill or do something like please send me into the path of these people that need help. Make my eyes be wide open to see where we can be practical hands and feet really assisting people right now because the needs are so great. They are, yeah, and I think that's such a good prayer. You know, I was thinking the other day, 
And I tweeted it because I felt convicted. It's like I haven't really been praying for the people in hospitals who are alone or the people who mm-hmm. can't can't be with them. You know, like the wife whose husband was taken away in an ambulance uh. and she can't be there. And you're hearing these stories and it's like these are the people who and then again, just the prayer aspect, but also like you were saying, the practical. How can I help? A lot of us don't want to leave our house right now. And, and rightfully so. How do we how do we do that while we're inside? Our homes, right? And and mm-hmm. I think praying for those people to come into our path is an amazing way to do that. And and as you were speaking through some of that, I was just thinking through some of the interviews I've done recently. And when you really sit down and talk to people, we all have crazy stories. Like everybody has mm-hmm. a life story. And it's so easy to see somebody like you on TV or to see, I think, through Miss Kay, you know, Robertson. I was interviewing her not that yes. long, long ago. And she <laughs> and you know, everyone has this vision of the Robertson family that is not at all accurate to who they are and what they've gone through. And I know you have faced challenging things and, and reading through your story. And I know you talk about some of this in your book. Um, but, but your, your husband, when you guys, I believe it was when you were engaged, his, his health problems, his brain tumor going through that. I mean, what, Mm -hmm. if you would, if you wouldn't mind speaking to that at all, because that is an incredibly stressful and and scary event to happen at the beginning of a relationship. How How did you guys journey through that? Well, I have to say this off the bat because when people ask about it, he ends up getting phone calls and people checking on him. He's great now. He is healthy and good, praise God. Um, so he's good now. But yeah, we, um, we, you know, we were engaged, and you're on top of the world. You're 24 years old, and you're healthy and strong. He was a college athlete, and so you think everything's great. Um, and he started to have some some nagging health issues with hearing and um, ringing in his ear and all kinds of things that. You know, many months into it, we found out eventually that it was a brain tumor and that he hadn't known it had been there for a while. It was about the size of a golf ball. And um, it's just a crazy journey. You know, your whole life stops when you get a diagnosis like that. I'm sure everyone listening to this knows someone or has had this happen to themselves or in their family. Um, It just puts everything else on hold and puts everything into perspective. And um, for us, it was, you know, we weren't married yet, but I was very much in it with him. um, And we just were kind of going through a maze of visiting doctors, finding the right surgeon, figuring out what the treatments would be like. Um, And yeah, that takes over your life. And so during that time, though, I think he would definitely say it was a faith journey for him and for both of us. And you know, it was interesting because this is before, it was just at the dawn of the internet. So it was really before uh, everybody was so easily connected around the world. And we actually would get notes from people. And I remember one in particular that came from a church in Alabama that said, hey, we heard through, you know, this chain of people about what you're going through. We've put you on our prayer list. And it was amazing just to see the body of Christ and people step up. Complete strangers don't need to know you, don't need to know anything about you, but just heard about your case. You're on the prayer list now. People are praying. So it was a real eye-opening experience in that um, respect. But he also went through a really tough recovery that I don't think anyone can really explain for you until you're going through it yourself, um, you know, enormous pain and um, paralysis that resulted from the surgery and all kinds of complications that, you know, as he said all the time at 24 years old, he just said, hey, if I wake up from this thing and I come out on the other side of the surgery and um, treatment and I'm alive, then what will I have to be upset about? And you just don't realize all the other things that can happen. Um, it's good to be young and um, feel like you're on top of the world and that you can overcome anything. But reality is really hard, and it was very difficult um, to have to watch him struggle through that recovery and um, the depression and the things that take over um, when you're fighting so hard to recover from something like that. But thank God, you know, he is wonderful and healed, and um, we just are, you know, on the other side of that, so grateful. 
there's so many people who can relate to that too, who are probably going through something now. And even with this current crisis, it's a totally different um, beast from what we're talking about. But that uncertainty, that fear, right? Mm -hmm. Of of and especially being young, I can't imagine the pressure and the fear that I would imagine was was setting in at those points. And I love that you talked about the churches and it's like people just sending messages. And I think mm-hmm. through, there's so many times where I'm like, you know, I should just message somebody like, or pick three people to check in with because we're so right. busy, right? Like we're mm-hmm. just so busy. We don't, we don't do that. And that can really make a world of difference for people. It really can. Yeah. I mean, you never know how much um, it will mean. And, you know, one of my friends did the, I thought the most wonderful thing in her Christmas card, I noticed when I opened it, there was a self-addressed stamped envelope. And I'm like, what in the world is this in a Christmas card? I thought, well, maybe she's fundraising for, you know, a mission trip or something like that. But I read her card and she just, it was such a great idea. She said, you know, everybody's getting this card. You all mean so much in my life. You've been there for me through all kinds of things. And, you know, what I want to do is if you have a need or a prayer request or anything that you need help with in your life, fill out this little card I put in here and mail it back to me so I can pray for you or help you. And I thought, wow, what an amazing idea. I've never heard or seen that before. And um, I just thought, what a generous thing that we reach out and try to pray for other people and help other people. And, you know, I have a an email group of people that when I have a really pressing you know, urgent kind of need, um, I'll send out to my prayer warriors and say like, hey, can you spare five minutes? I really need some counsel and some prayer on this. And I don't abuse it. I do it, you know, sparingly because we all have needs, especially right now. Um, but it's just so nice to know that we're out there supporting each other. And um, yeah, I think you're you're so spot on to just text someone because we can pray for people every day if they don't know, or if they, it would be nice for them to have a reminder like, hey, you're on my list this morning. And I just want you to know, you never know the moment that you're prompted to do that. What it could mean for them on the other end. Exactly. No, it's so it's so true. And you know, for you looking just to kind of get back to career a little bit because I think it's I always think it's interesting to ask people how they find the balance. And you are in you're in one of the toughest fields, right? Media is a very difficult field for a lot of different reasons, especially at the level that you're at, right? When you have that much exposure. How how do you find, and maybe it's not difficult, but what are some of the challenges and even the positives when it comes to that balance of faith and career in media? Yeah, I, I oh, that's a tricky one because there's so, the upside is way beyond the downside, but you're right. I mean, you're kind of a target when you're in a place like this. So, you know, I think about people in the past who've said, like, it's never as great as you think, it's never as terrible as you think. So you have to, I think, especially as a Christian, fight both ends of it, because when people are praising you or your show's super high rated and things are going great and like, oh, she's such an insightful interviewer, so great, like, don't, you know, don't drink that Kool-Aid either, because you have to, you know, keep everything in perspective and remember, I think, to stay humble, because there will be highs, there will be lows, and you got to ride them out, um, steady knowing where your identity is, and it's not in your job or your paycheck, and again, preaching to myself, um, but yeah, there are lows too. There are hard times when the you know the show's not going well, or you make a mistake that's you know your motivation was completely innocent. But you know you make a mistake in front of millions of people, and it's amplified. So um, I mean, really, for me, I have to start the day in the Word. I have to, have to, and to the point now where um, I used to at least check my phone and go through email, email, see if there's anything urgent. I just don't even do that first now. Yeah. I have to get grounded. So I get out of bed, turn off my alarm, and I, you know, do the basic brushing teeth and that kind of stuff. But the first thing I do is sit down to read the word and to journal and to pray. 
then I can turn my phone on and handle whatever the world's going to throw at me. Um, I am not equipped to handle it myself. As a human being, there's, there are too many overwhelming emotions right now and just horrific stories and heartbreaking things. You mentioned, um, I think the thing that's hit me hardest with this current crisis is that people are dying alone and that their loved mm-hmm. ones know that they're dying and cannot be with them. It's just gut-wrenching. And this happened to a very close friend of mine uh, over the weekend with her father-in-law. And they knew that he was probably dying. They were not allowed to go to him in his nursing care center. And just the weight that was on them knowing he was dying alone was crushing. So, you know, I have to put on the full armor. I got to, you know, rely on strength that is way beyond my own human strength and emotions to kind of suit up for the day. And, um, you know, that's just reality. And I think that um, for any of us as humans, I think we're often – especially if you're an ambitious and, and, um, you know, hardworking person, you think that you can handle everything yourself. Um, but we aren't self-sufficient and we weren't created to be. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's a little bit of an act of humility to say, Nope, I I need this first thing in the morning before I can go tackle anything. Yeah. I mean, you, you said so many amazing things there. You, you mentioned identity and I, and I always think identity and value, right? Because if I go a couple of days, I mean, for me, this is just me. I can't speak for other people without being in the war, without I journal too. Mm -hmm. That's how I pray because I, I, I'm a writer. So I focus by writing. Um, I'm, I'm putting my value in all the wrong things. I'm getting frustrated (laughs) when a story isn't doing well or when I'm not getting an interview I want or when I'm not, it's just crazy what you put your value in. Um, and so having that rooting is so, is so important. And then the other piece of what you mentioned, which is just this horrific situation that we're in and people dying alone. And, you know, that's why I just want to bring up again, I think the importance of, of praying for those people, being there for mm-hmm. those people listening, if there's someone you know who's going through that, because it is unimaginable. And I will say, and I don't know where you stand on this, but kind of looking at, at all of this, I've, I've thought to myself, wow, we're, we're all in our homes. We're all kind of isolated. I mean, we're with our families, but what better time on the flip side to be thinking about what really matters? I mean, I've wondered, you know, are we going to see, and I've seen Lee Strobel and others tweeting things about the insane numbers of people who are coming to faith in mm-hmm. the midst of this, watching online sermons. And and so I always try to find that, what's go, where is the bright spot? Not that this is a mm-hmm. good thing, but where is that bright spot? And and it has been really interesting seeing those conversations unfold on, on the faith front. I know. And I mean, it's odd. The the one thing that actually did make me cry in this whole thing, I'm not a you know a regular crier, but I did. The first week that we couldn't go to church, and I realized it would probably be weeks. It just kind of felt overwhelming because I so look forward to Sundays, being you know with the body of Christ, singing worship songs, hearing our voices together, and knowing that that would be a while. For some reason, really hit me hard. I thought you know. The church is not the building. It is the people, and we can pray and study on our own. Um, I loved what my buddy Michael W. Smith did. Had He's he's having these you know praise and worship virtual kind of things where you can pull it up on Facebook Live, and everybody's singing these praise and worship songs together, and he's got a couple people with him. And I'm like, I like that, feeling like there's sort of some connection. So the live streams have been fantastic. And um, we've gone to a lot of different churches over the years just moving around, and so it's been fun to visit our churches, our old churches, by going to live stream. And Um, having different places to check in every week. So, you know, for people who may be turned off by church or by faith or preaching, that kind of thing, 
but they're looking for something and they're feeling lonely for them to tune into one of these live streams and hear messages of hope and messages of love and support and encouragement. I think um, that is a blessing. I mean, for people who say maybe like, listen, I'm not going to go visit a church and get dressed up and walk into some strange place by myself, but maybe I'll check it out on the Internet and see what it's about um, because I am feeling lonely or scared. Uh, I think it's a wonderful opening, and I hope people find um, true comfort and real comfort there. Yeah, it's a good touch point, an opening, like you were saying, a good touch point for people that maybe when this all lifts, these people might want to go to church after yeah. maybe this. So, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been really interesting. Some churches are doing drive drive through church where nobody right. gets out of their car, which I think is right. really interesting. Um, <laughs> my church is doing Zoom, you know, meetings. So like throughout yes. the week, you know, we'll, we'll all hop on and it's really amazing. And it's hard. You know, there's people in our church who are in New Rochelle who are in these hotspot areas and mm-hmm. they're really struggling and they're afraid, you know, and so to be able to pray and and see each other, which is really nice, even virtually, is better than nothing, right? So it's it's uh it's pretty amazing. Um, all right, I'm gonna let you go soon, but I have to ask you, um, and I could talk to you forever because I think <laughs> your your career is so fascinating. But what has been for you, and maybe this might be a tough question to answer, but what has been the most challenging story to cover for you um, throughout your media career? You know, the ones that are like this, where there's so much pain and there's disaster, I mean, you know, showing up at, you know, Superstorm Sandy, devastation, or, you know, when I was a local reporter and you would do more local things, like I always think about this one hit and run story that I had, and I got to the home before the husband knew that his wife had been killed Uh in this hit and run. Um, Those are the worst, worst days, the worst moments when you see people in their worst pain. Um, those are just, when you're covering human suffering, it's just the worst thing. Um, and that's where, you know, I have a good friend uh, who's there in New York who is a wonderful prayer warrior, and she was talking to me about being able to, um, you know, take those burdens and lay them down. You can't cover everyone's pain. Um, I mean, you can't carry it for yourself. You have to cover it. You have a job to do. And you can be a very much a human being in that moment and trying to um, reach out and comfort the people that you see are suffering. Um, but you have a job to do in that moment, too. And when you walk away from it, sometimes it's hard to let it go. And mm. so, you know, being able to lay those burdens down, um, casting your cares at the feet of Christ and, and saying, um, listen, I, I'm blessed. I love this job. I love what I do. You do cover so much suffering that you have to be able to leave it with him because we're not God. We can't solve the world's suffering when you cover genocide and other things like that. Um, so I think in those moments, I, I feel, you know, I'm going to cover the story a little bit differently. I may actually pray for these people and, um, you know, just process things in a different way. Um, but knowing that you have to, at some point, be able to close the door so you can go home and have dinner or see your family and have uh, a human moment and let some of it go. Um, I think trying to find that, where's the right dividing line there? Because I don't ever want to lose my humanity or my faith in in that I want to support and pray for other people or help in whatever way I can. Um, And also just kind of maintain that journalistic integrity. Sometimes um, the emotions of a story are tough. Yeah, we saw that with with Hoda and her reaction, which I think everybody yeah. understands. You know, I, it's totally. One of the biggest challenges for me, you know, and I'm kind of on a break from journalism right now and doing what I'm doing at the moment, which has been really nice. Um, but but it, I always struggled calling people or reaching out to people in the midst of that pain, knowing that okay, this right. event just happened. But one of the things that's blown me away is, you know, I think back to the Texas church shooting and calling the family, the elderly couple who lost, you know, eight of their family members. Yes. And 
they were believers and the reaction that they had, the very positive reaction to that call. And, and that was really fascinating. So just approaching it in a way that feels comfortable to me too, knowing I have a job to do, but I also want to be a human being about this because it's so overwhelming um, for everyone, right? The readers, the viewers, people who are involved in the case. So, well, listen, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, like, I'm sure you feel this way too. Like nothing, I don't think anything is by chance. And so I feel like if I'm put in that situation and to connect with that family or those people in that moment, there's, there's reason in that. I do believe that. A hundred percent. And I've seen those stories actually touch so many people. And that's the, I think that's when you come out on the other side. And again, this all goes back to purpose and prayer and knowing that you are where you're supposed to be right Mm -hmm. (laughs) every day that I think exactly, exactly. I, I agree. Um, I can't think of a better way to to close this out either. I think that's the call, you know, for us to to ask God where he wants us every day. Well, listen, Shannon, this has been so great. Thank you for all your time today. It's so great to finally get to chat with you, and God bless you and all you're doing and and your family during this special time. And uh, I know it's a challenge for everyone out there, but we will make it through. Thanks so much. That was Shannon Bream with Fox News, and I don't know what you guys thought about her story, but I think it's incredible to, again, again, get that lens into somebody's life. Who are they? How did they get where they are? And how do you stay grounded, right? When you're a person who has good character, when you're somebody who you really put your priorities in order, when faith really matters to you, how do you work in an industry like Hollywood or media and come out of that with your integrity intact, with being the person you were when you went into it. And so hearing her story really gave a great lens into her life and really showed us how she does that. And I think the, the cool thing is that, you know, before she even takes her phone out, you heard her say she she gets into the Word, right? She's reading, she's praying, she's journaling. Those are the things we need to be doing, and it's so tough. It's so easy, especially in pandemic land. You know, I'm hearing a lot of people say, oh, life is so much easier than it was before. And I'm like, well, not really. It started out calm. And now for me, at least, between homeschooling kids and working and and taking care of the things I need to take care of, the commitments I have, it's a lot. And so I think we're all really busy and it's easy to get up and just jump right into the world without rooting ourselves. And so I love that she encouraged us to do that. Now, listen, I hope you guys listen to more of these episodes. If you go over to anchor.fm slash Billy Hollowell, you can listen to lots of episodes of the show, devotions, lots of things I've done here. Um, but this season's going to heavily focus on these interviews. So I hope you enjoy them. I also hope you head over to BillyHollowell.com, read the blog, check out the content, and reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you what you think about the show. Go to the contact form. I read all those messages and do my best to get back. But check that out. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you want to hear on the show. And stay tuned for another episode very soon of the Billy Hollowell Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Billy Hollowell Podcast. Visit Billy on Facebook or Twitter at Billy Hollowell for more on faith, culture, entertainment, and plenty more.